episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your humble host, Lev Polyakov, at LevPo on Twitter. And we are here for a very special episode. This one is one that I've been looking forward to a, uh, for a very long time. We got Peter Bogosian meets Oren McIntyre. This is what Break the Rules does best. It brings all these different worlds together, people who would have never uh, talked in the first place. Now they get to talk here, hash it out here, the differences specifically when it comes to the idea of liberalism and whether there is a future for liberalism or whether we're headed to the dark times where the only way to keep all the problems that are going on at bay is through some kind of a traditionalist, quasi-dictatorial system. So we're going to see what exactly is going on here. I would uh, love to start with the uh, new guest for Break the Rules, Peter Bogoshkin, to uh, regular people about their belief system. And uh, it's very interesting just to uh, probe people's minds like that. And uh, yeah, I would love to start off with you. And before that, everybody who's watching, make sure to click like, uh, subscribe right now, click the bell, you know, all of that good stuff to keep this going and patreon.com slash break the rules, become a patron today. Anyway, Peter, uh, what do you think is going to be at least for the uh, next several decades, the fate of liberalism? And also, how would you define liberalism? Well, first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Aaron. I think this is the, is it with Aaron? Yes, sir. Is it out? Did I say it right, Aaron? Yeah, I appreciate that. Or oh, so, and, and also, I just want to make sure that Aaron gets a good introduction too, of course. So, Aaron, yeah. you work for the Blaze uh, right now, right? Excellent. You work for The Blaze. You are a, a great right-wing YouTuber, and I would definitely love to hear what you got to say uh, as we uh, as we keep going. So, uh, Peter, the floor is yours. So, thanks. I appreciate you having me on, and thanks, Oren. It's good to talk to you. I think this is the first time we've spoken, yeah. so it's not. It's very nice to meet you. So, uh, if 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 the subject is does liberalism have legs, are we? Is this, as Wesley Yang says, the successor ideology, or is this a just in fact? I just released a, a video um, with Travis Brown, who ha happens to be of coincidence in my home right now. Uh, when we did Spectrum Street Epistemology and we talked about are there built in, is there a built in telos? Is identity politics a natural end to liberalism? Uh, and in the initial email you sent out, I think it was something like, are our institutions strong enough to sur survive this onslaught? Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the, the current onslaught and what's happening. And by the current onslaught, I mean that they're caught in either full-fledged in the orbit of critical social justice or they're on the periphery of that. Just a quick anecdote. Travis and I were visiting my neighbors, and he has a little farm I haven't seen him in months since I've been traveling out of the country. And he's a he's a farmer, basically, and he sells uh, uh, timber. And he said to me, and Travis, he said, why is it that every single person I talk to, once I conclude a contract, without exception, hates this shit? Oh, I should have asked if I could swear on your show. Can I oh, swear on your show? I'd say the first 15 minutes, but honestly, this program is so good. I'm probably going to make like 10 shorts out of it. So uh, feel free. Well, keep, keep expectations low. And then he just started telling me about how everybody complains to him about it. He hasn't met a single person who, who likes it. He wanted he asked me if I could explain that. And I told him I thought that I could. But my my explanation might not be the one that he wants to hear, but it's true. Normal people 
who do not traffic in these terms are, are you know, quote unquote, normies. They realize that this is as disturbing and untethered from reality as everybody else does. Uh, I shouldn't say everybody else because I don't know. Or if you're a conservative writer, I think you, uh, you, you you probably assume the same. But I should should ask you about that. So so why is it? And my response to that was, it's coming from the academies. It's within the academies. We've trained we're training people in colleges of education. Um, and those people are going into the workforces. They're training K through 12, and then they're becoming educational administrators, which we see now. And then with the disgraceful case of President Gay of Harvard, you now see a new level of a, a completely shocking level of dysfunction, not even dis- dysfunction, but outright vandalism to all that the institutions stand for. So I'm completely willing to listen, and I don't know the answers to any of these questions, um, if you listen to someone like Helen Pluckrose or you read her work, I think she's one of the best contemporary voices on this this subject. I don't know what the natural, uh, if, if there is a natural progression. I don't know if this is a blip. I do believe at core some principles that I'll just put on the table. I do believe, as Martin Luther King says, and uh, Shermer had uh, the book about it, Pinker, Pinker's uh, uh, Michael Shermer from the Skeptic Society and Stephen Pinker from from Harvard. I do believe that the moral arc bends towards justice, but I also believe that there are blips in those. I don't think, as Fukuyama says, we're at the end of history. I think that that's been largely debunked. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know, and I'm willing to listen to Arn's arguments as to what he sees is coming down the pike, and if there's any necessity built into a kind of historical inevitability of the demise of liberalism. So my basic answer is I don't really know. I don't think I'm, I don't think anybody who prognosticates at this stuff, uh, they're, they're probably bullshitting you because the, the future is notoriously difficult to predict. And before Oren, we are going to be doing super chats towards the end. And I've set the limit at $10 plus 10 USD. Anyway, Oren, go for it. Uh, yeah, I think that, uh, the history, the arc of history doesn't bend towards justice. Uh, I, unfortunately, I think that's a bit of Whig history. Um, I, I think Gatano Mosca is right that societies oscillate between bureaucratic and feudal constructions. And I think liberalism is a function of society scaling up. I think that it became the most useful ideology to map on top of the Industrial Revolution, uh, the reduction of barriers, the destruction of particularities in culture. And so it, it works because, you know, for civilization to work originally, it needs to be nested inside a particularly tight tradition. But t- traditions also limit the abil- ability for civilizations to interact and cooperate. And so as uh, kind of capitalism took off, as, as capital dissolved the boundaries between civilizations, it necessarily needed a way to unify uh, systems of trade and commerce and cultural exchange but it needed to dissolve the particularities that kept that from occurring. And so I think liberalism's natural tendency to kind of be a cultural acid uh, worked in its favor uh, because it kind of said, we're going to take the the big questions off the table. We're going to take the metaphysical questions of what is the good and uh, that that caused clashes of of culture. And we're going to move those aside and we're going to find kind of a a minimum uh, acceptable morality by which we can kind of operate these mercantile empires. 
And uh, what we've discovered is that actually, eventually that process just continues. You can't just arrest it at the point of like making it easier to trade things. Uh, and instead it actually just eats your civilization alive. Uh, and so liberalism is is failing because it dissolved everything that protects cultures uh, from, from what they're going through now, which is just their complete disassembly, uh, the, the, the destruction of the core axioms. Uh, and so I think liberalism is, is eventually going to have to uh, give way uh, to particularism once again, because that's the only thing that's going to allow societies to kind of restructure themselves. Wait, give away to what? Okay, just so, so it's clear, what is it yeah. going to give to? Just so the audience hears. You're gonna you're gonna have a more you're gonna have a more feudal society, and by that I don't mean a feudalistic structure as in the old style. I mean you're gonna have more regional cultures. You're 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 no longer gonna have this vast global interaction uh, and, and with with the. the uh, you know, with the different ideologies that come uh, with it, the, those things are kind of collapse back. Economies are going to scale back. Cultures are going to scale back. Communications are gonna scale back. Peter, your thoughts. I agree. I, I agree in large scale with that. I think we can, I don't know if it's quibbling. I think we probably sh should be a good use of our time to drill down in some of those particulars. So I guess I have a few questions so what what was it that sustained okay so let me let me just make sure that i understand this uh and and if i have it wrong please let me know so liberalism intrinsically undermines or erodes certain traditions in society and those traditions are necessary to maintain basic civil functioning is that correct before i go on they're load bearing yeah yeah they're a little bit okay so <clears throat> i have a few a few questions if i may to drill down on that just so that i'm clear so what was it that enabled liberalism to survive i mean i guess you could we have to d talk dates i mean i think when I, when i think dates i i don't think in terms of mercantilism i i think in terms of the a, a kind of like a lockean foundationalism or a kind of um philosophical intellectual roots of liberalism that just that that's not right or wrong it just helps me to think more clearly about things the way i think um so what what, what is responsible for the interregnum like why why would liberalism have sustained itself for, for that long uh well it's operating off uh in large part the traditions a lot of, a lot of the social scaffolding that continued to exist was remnants of traditions that it hadn't destroyed. So, for instance, you know, a lot of people talk about classical liberalism, but those who call themselves classical liberalisms, uh, liberals today would not agree with people who are classically liberal like Locke. Like, Locke didn't think you should have atheists, yeah. you know? But so, so, so his classical liberalism and the classical liberalism today are actually radically progressive. It's, it's more of a much more progressive liberalism than that which, which he would have espoused. Uh, and, and this is kind of the, okay. the nature of liberalism. The things that are closer to the traditions survive longer as it moves further away from them, it loses that social cohesion. And again, this is not a particularly evil aspect of liberalism. This is the natural abstraction of any culture. This is something that any, any civilization, as it abstracts out to the imperial level, is going to do. Liberalism is the ideology... It, we 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 removed ourselves from from religious reasons for this to happen. We moved ourselves into ideologies instead. Liberalism was the ideology 
that existed during this time that allowed that process to occur. It had many different benefits, obviously, it did massive economic expansion, scientific acceleration. It scaled culture and civilization in a way that nothing before it until Christianity had. Christianity had the same the, the same ability to, you know, uh, move past, beyond tribal or even regionally national or kingdom differences, unite things into Western Christendom. You know, in many ways, liberalism is the heir to this universalization that came through the, the Christian project, but, but it too, Oh yeah. We'll, we'll go through this, uh, this cycle. Okay. So I just want to make sure that, that I understand that, that I'm clear. So the reason that, um, the traditions, the, the reason that you think we're going to be feudal and I don't, like you said, you don't mean medieval f feudalism. It's interesting. I, you didn't mention sovereignty and I think the, the conversation would benefit from a discussion, at least a, um, if not a pointed discussion, at least remarking on the idea of national sovereignty and what that means and what various people are going to do in influx to be very blunt with you of um, large numbers of unskilled young uh, Muslim men in Europe and the change of the demographics and the age in which they have children and how many children they have. I think this conversation would benefit from that too, as it relates to the traditions. But bracketing that for a moment, so I just want to make sure that I'm clear. So the reason that liberalism survived as long as it has is because it didn't have enough time to erode the traditions, mores, and norms of the culture, of the cultures that adopted liberalism. But now that it's like in full swing, uh, now what we're seeing is the complete undermining of those tr traditions. And then that's going to be responsible for what, what actually I, I was going to say many people, almost everybody is talking about a post-liberal world. Do, do I have that correct? Largely. Yeah. We could, we could get into some of those details, but I think that's relatively. Okay. So I guess I have a few other questions. So um, what do you see as, as the successor to like, and I, I realize that prognosticating is very difficult and complex due to so many variables, but particularly mass migration. But what do you see as the successor to liberalism? Or, or, or do you see, or is that even not the right question to ask for the world as it emerges in a post-liberal order? Yeah, I think the question is, what will be the successors? I think that that liberalism, again, because of its need to universalize, and that's the reason it won the race, is it's so good at scaling society. It's so good at, at uh, scaling the larger economic and political order uh, that it became a, a hegemonic view in a way that it didn't exist until, like I said, perhaps Western Christendom is, is the only other uh, thing that you, you could kind of map onto that. And so I think that You'll, you're going to see that that's going to come apart. And when it does, I think that things are going to shrink down again more to particular. I think you're going to see zones of control, multiple civilizations, multipolarity. And I think that you'll see when you don't have the United States and the wider Western alliance enforcing liberal democracy on every single uh, civilization, I think you'll see more natural forms of those civilizations in the way that they politically organize emerge. I think you're, you're, you're going to see a, uh, a lack of of, uh, of homogenization across all of these different government forms. That's interesting. So, do, are you buying into Huntington's kind of clash of civilizations? Are you are you buying into the, or or do you think it's even more regional than that? I mean, do you, 
do you think that the, there are just these large sweeping forces, Islam being one of them totalizing? And I guess to a large extent inherent within that are these universalizing narratives. Liberalism is one of them. My, my good friend, uh, Carl Benjamin from London, uh, he's a kind of, uh, I think he self-describes as a, a I can't remember what he told Liberalist? Like a, a or was that the... Uh, oh, no, he, he's abandoned that now. <laughs> We've been working on Carl for a while. He's, he's abandoned yeah, like his a, liberalism. A, a, he's like a postmodern classicalist or a postmodern post traditionalist. Yeah. yeah, that's what he said, a postmodern traditionalist. So um, when I first heard those two words, it was like uh, uh, nails on a chalkboard. I, I didn't... I, 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 was, I was so uh, disturbed, by, disturbed by the pairing of those two words... <laughs> That I really almost had to sit down. But is that a kind of vision? Do you share that kind of postmodern traditionalism? Uh, so I think the postmodern traditionalism is a little bit of tongue in cheek. It's a it's a kind of a joke term that's been I, th I think that's been ascribed more by enemies than you know uh, like like reactionary. That, it's a term that the you view the, the the view that's embedded in that is that there's no natural telos. There's no historical outcomes. We're going to break off into these. Um, like you see that the Hungarians doing it, you see the Poles to a certain extent doing it. They have certain um, geopolitical realities that the Hungarians don't. I was just in Bratislava, um, and I had many conversations with people there. And you see this kind of, you see, you see this with with Pine Fortune. You see this in Argentina. You see this in Italy. I mean, I don't. So, so to recenter the discussion, um, you don't believe. This is what I'm perceiving. You're saying, correct me if I'm wrong. You you don't believe that there's an inevitability, an inevitable trajectory that societies take, given a govern that there's a particular governing ideology that can be universalized and that will be universalized and then institutionalized, institutionalized, broad scale, uh, throughout uh, the systems in the judiciary, et cetera. Like you don't you don't you don't foresee that that. No, Is that I, correct? I, I think between Huntington and Fukuyama, Huntington clearly won. And and I think that uh, you are seeing a return to this. As, you know, Huntington goes on about Spengler and Toynbee and, and all of these different yeah, yeah. Who, who predicted that, you know, that these things would largely not be compatible long term. And I think that's that's correct. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that there will be one universal universalization i think there is a telos but i think it's it's to people's not to mm. humanity at, at large i want to throw a quick monkey wrench into the gears of this conversation i think we're talking about the west primarily when we're talking about liberalism and whether it's going to fall but if we're talking about these geopolitical realities it's also important to keep in mind china russia as well as the middle eastern world which right now seems to be aligning more with the uh, china russia axis and what influence that has as far as an expanding empire if, for example america says we're going to go inwards we're going to focus on ourselves america first and then little by little more territory is going to be acquired by these uh, other powers will they go the same route that uh, or you're talking about or is it going to be more of this empire building and then what well multipolarity so that, is yeah. is just um, i think it's it's moving that direction i think the the inability of, of again the the west to maintain its hegemony or it seems it seems to be uh, loosening, and and you're going to see the alliances of countries that are arrayed against kind of the current NATO powers naturally. But I don't think that makes them long term natural allies. Some of them have imperial ambitions, some of them don't. Uh, you know whether or not that's you know it's in within the Chinese to to build a 
global spanning empire is, is well, I guess russia true. certainly does and i don't want to harp on russia for this conversation but i'm well, just I mean, you're love of course you're of gonna course harp on i'm love of course i'm gonna i mean look look at the shirt that i'm wearing here of course i'm gonna harp on russia no but the idea let's see the shirt let's see the shirt i can't see it Slava uh, Ukraini, Slava Ukraini. There, there we go. So uh, the reason uh, why I bring this up, though, is because I'm not sure that those kind of old school empires like Russia, let's say, where we've had not only Putin, but uh, his advisors and uh, Medvedev talking about wanting to take the uh, various uh, states that are even a part of NATO right now, like the Balkans and uh, also um uh, Poland and so on and so forth. And the question here is, are they going to approach it from the same direction as, let's say, a theoretical like America and Europe? If America and Europe were the only places left on this earth, then maybe we could see like there being like this sprinkling of different ideologies, different people who are starting to wall themselves off from the barbarian horde and all of that. But I'm not exactly sure that that's going to be the same way it's going to work when you have this expansionist power kind of reviving not even the USSR, but you could say like the old school Russian Empire with the help of China and also with the help of the Middle East. Like, I'm not really seeing that same trajectory going on there, nor am I seeing a multipolar world in the sense of, okay, you're going to keep your side, I'm going to keep my side. It almost seems like it's going to be expanding and expanding until it stops. So what I'm seeing is World War III, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, geopolitical realities is that power will expand until it meets an opposing force. That That's just how all political powers ever work. I think empires are the natural formations of kind of geopolitics. The only thing that checks the size of one empire is another. I understand that you're not a fan of the Rus the Russians, Lev, and that's okay. Like Vladimir Putin's not a good person, uh, but that that doesn't, by in and of itself, uh, you know, that doesn't change the reality of whether or not the the Western political alliance will hold. Right? Your 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 desires for the Russians not to expand doesn't really have any bearing on whether or not the the continuation of a unipolar world really will will be uh it's not whether it's desirable it's whether mm. it's real well before but, be, before but anyway let, be, before, i'm here to talk to peter let's i know not, you're i know you're here to peter no, no, i know you're here to peter but real quick i know you're here to pe uh, talk to peter but real quick just so you understand where i'm coming from here if they're going to expand in this multipolar world, I'm curious what both you and Peter think is going to happen to America then. Because I was talking about like the Russia-China alliance, but like you said, an empire is going to keep going until it's stopped by some other force. Will yeah, that or, force... Or until it becomes fiscally insolvent, yeah. which we're well on our way to. Which is what we did. Yeah, right. yeah but is Correct. it going to be the same thing with them? Like, will America and Europe be that opposing force? Or are you guys saying that liberalism has reduced the West in general to a state of complete weakness where this Russia-China alliance is going to kick our ass and, you know, bend us over no, and do whatever they want no, to us? No, no, <laughs> so I like that. I like that's a pretty. I wouldn't have used that, but that's a that crude descriptor is pretty good in this case. Uh, so I think so. So there are a lot of variables here. Un unfortunately, it looks like we're going to have a Trump Biden runoff, and Trump has been pretty clear what he thinks about NATO. I think Americans don't have an appetite for foreign um, adventures. So shall we say anymore? I think uh, Afghanistan was a catastrophe, an absolute catastrophe in terms of blood, in terms of money. One thing that we're not talking about is the one belt, one road policy of China. China is making tremendous inroads into Africa. 
Uh, we're not talking about the ability. So I'm, I'll be in Taiwan, <clears throat> excuse me, in a month. And we're going to explore the topic with spectrum street epistemology of reunification. And I, I think that there are so many variables on the table and I will, I will say, Liv, I, you know, I'm not an expert in geopolitics in any, by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm deeply disturbed by what's going on in, in, in Ukraine. And it is also my understanding, again, I'm speaking outside my area, that didn't the Duma the and Medvedev say that um, the Balkans are next early on? And then uh, he didn't he talk about the polls. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. I don't mean to shill, but that is exactly what I wrote in the last Levland Substack article where Medvedev said exactly that. He specifically claimed that the Baltic countries also belong to Russia and referred to Poland as being, quote-unquote, temporarily occupied. But again, I want to make sure we don't dwell too much on the geopolitics no, side. No, but, but this, yeah. this, this, this is right. But this, this is important because in the context of liberalism, what does this mean for liberalism? Like, so I think in the before uh, September 11th, I think that there was this idea that, you know, the, there's during the Clinton administration, there's going to be a peace dividend. Everybody's going to be happy. We're going to see increasingly with the Internet, we're going to see liberalization, particularly in China. Uh, nobody anticipated that the United States companies and businesses would bow, whether it's the NBA or uh, uh, particular actors, I can't remember the, their, their names. I just saw the guy in some great, but um, where he gave his apology uh, w when he spoke about China as a country, the big guy, the muscular guy. Anyway, oh, John Cena. Yeah, yeah, John Cena. Yeah, he he was in. Uh, I just I watched him in a while ago. Something where he was like in a, a superhero thing. He was just absolutely fantastic. But just uh, just parenthetically, but so I I don't I don't nobody foresaw that coming, and so. You know, the question is, all of these thought experiments of liberalism, this, these Rawlsian thought experiments where just people sit down and and uh, see if they can reason to, not rationalize, but reason to the best systems for uh, distribution of goods and services, for, you know, what does a fair society look like? Th these, these are very seductive, uh, and, and I must admit that I am very partial to them myself, but the reality is you're both correct. There are I think I think Aaron uh, was very politic when he said Putin is not a nice guy, uh, you know, castrating Ukrainian men and kidnapping children, and raping women, and, and, and as a um, un unlike the the My Lai massacre when people were held accountable for that and instance in Fallujah, the, the, these are not disciplined or punished, but actually used as motivators. And Lev, you know more about that. So the, so the question, bringing centering back on liberalism again, is. Given these foreign actors, not nice people, given nuclear weapons, given China's ambitions through soft power, um, what do we see as the fate of liberalism? I think that there's wisdom in Kissinger's writings um, when he basically spoke of the United States, Russia, and China as a balanced world where we wouldn't have to worry about these, although he didn't use the word asymmetrical and Hitchens' writing on, on um, Kissinger is excellent, where we wouldn't have to see these asymmetrical power differentials where we'd worry about different things. It would keep the world in balance. The world right now is not subject to the 
um, ambition to, to, to liberal ambitions, but rather it's being eroded at every turn. It's being internally in the United States, and I would argue it's that is uh, Donald Trump is a symptom of that. But it's also been eroded externally, and so many of the hopes of what we can achieve by the universalization of liberalism have been kicked out of people. So I'm I'm actually sympathetic to Oren's point. I I don't know. Um, Again, I don't have a crystal ball, but but I'm not. I have not been particularly optimistic by what we've seen in the world in the last ten years. Oren, you got the floor. Uh, I mean, uh, it, hard to agree with, or hard to disagree with Peter when he's agreeing with me. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'll. Just... I mean, I can take the other side. No. I can I can try to steel man the other side if you want. But no, no. I largely I largely agree with you, but I'm yeah. I'm happy to try to argue the other mm. side if you want. No, but I want to I want to figure out here. Do you, Oren, foresee there being some kind of, let's say, dictatorial power if it's not going to be a matter of all of these states, uh, you know, bending over to have China and Russia do whatever they're going to do, but have some kind of another alliance, but the kind of alliance that's going to be appropriate for hard times, you know, the kind of alliance that would stand in the way of such an expansion that it would enslave all of us to this uh, rising power? Do you foresee something like that happening? Again, if the infrastructure for a global hegemon collapses, I'm not sure. So the power, the the power vacuum theory holds that like basically you can just recreate this thing. Like as soon as as soon as one global hegemon is gone, then the next one just just comes in. But I think what we're seeing is like is actually a wider realization that society does not scale to the level that we hoped it would. That you actually cannot use like bureaucratic managerial expertise to standardize the cultures and ways of being of every piece of humanity across the globe and turn them all into good, you know, Walmart customers. And because that's not the case, you, you, I don't think we immediately just go to this vision of like Lev's nightmare of like a a massive counter alliance of, of, of the axis of evil. I don't know if that's the only other option. I think what we're far more likely to see is, is a regionalization. Remember that like, these mat, you know, the nation state is not the only way in which countries have, you know, uh, have been constituted. That's not the way the borders have always worked. That's not the way political organizations have always existed. And, and I think we, it's very likely we will be moving away from again wider, you know, Western style liberal democracy. Um, in general, I think that's probably going to be a global trend as these systems fail. But I don't think that means it immediately gets replaced with like some global dictator, some some chin stroking version of this on the other side. Yeah, the, there was uh, the, the the theory of the 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 golden arches. The, this idea that um, oh, I can't remember his name, Tom uh, Tom Friedman. Uh, the idea that no two countries that have ever had McDonald's had gone to war with each other. You wrote about that in the Flat Earth. That that. The, uh, the flat uh can't remember it's been a while since i read the book and then the subsequent book no two countries that ever had supply chains and so part of the thinking was that if we can can unite the world uh in some kind of a dependency that we're less likely to go to war that's obviously been upset by the quote-unquote bread basket that's the other reason why the taiwan situation is utterly terrifying to me given the semiconductor manufacturing in taiwan 
I think one of the things that hopefully people who who follow politics, even uh, not even politics, but just trends, even a little bit, will come to realize that that many of us took for granted the stability not only of our institutions but of the geopolitical order. And it just takes a few bad actors or a few snuck in nukes. That's one thing that, that nobody's talking about that I'd wish they'd, they'd talk about. I wish we didn't have to talk about it, but loose loose nukes, <clears throat> it's a tremendous problem, especially now that this the Soviet Union is defunct and there are increasing vulnerabilities in that area. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm less Pollyanna now about liberalism than I was 15 years ago. And it's, I want to be clear. It's not that I don't think that liberalism at its core or enlightenment values, and I don't use those directly as synonyms, but it's not that I don't think that those things aren't beneficial to humanity or intrinsic good goods that will dive us down another rabbit hole in which we may have substantive disagreements. But I just don't, I just don't think, I think the world is messy and I think that there are bad actors and I'm fearful. I hate, I hate to, I hate to be the downer here, but I'm pretty bearish on, I'm pretty bearish on things. I'm, I'm, uh, I happen to agree with Balaji about a lot of the things he says. If you're not familiar with his work, you should, you should check it out. Uh, I'm I'm deeply worried about the national debt. I'm deeply worried about. I've actually been worried about it ever since I was a little young. But Bretton Woods in the gold standard. But I'm de- I'm deeply concerned about the fact that we're not having national conversations about financial responsibility. We're not having people are complaining about it, but we're not having national conversations, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, about printing money. I'm worried about the oil not being traded in dollars. I'm worried about um, the, the the U.S. not being the currency reserve. I'm, I'm worried about all, all of these things. I'm mentioning them only in the context of the undermining of liberalism. I'm worried about the TikTok algorithms feeding us divisive madness. I'm worried about universities, which are totally lost. And, and also, if you want to bring in the China thing, Confucius Institutes, Confucian mm. Institutes in our universities. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm worried about the increasing um, um, Chinese soft power. I'm also worried that I do think that this has to do with liberalism. I've never really understood the sanctions idea. I think that there's overwhelming. I just read a piece in foreign policy recently about this. Um, I've never really understood the idea why sanctions can be good. I think there's overwhelming evidence that they're bad. Years ago, I proposed the idea of reverse sanctions. If you really want to spread less so liberalism, but more so, like if you go around anywhere you go around the world, like travel all the time, you know, you hear American music, you see American movies. If anything, we should have a kind of reverse sanctions. But in, in terms of we giving people our music and our culture, I am concerned. I don't mean to muddy the waters further, but I am concerned that the United States will lose even more of its uh, soft power and more of its influence as our cultural hegemony declines due to AI. So when AI starts making music and starts making movies and people can have on-demand movies that AI creates, uh, I'm, I'm concerned that, uh, I've also been concerned about the rise of Bollywood. So I think that the United States as the torchbearer of liberalism, I think we're, we're in some trouble. I think that that trouble is first and foremost financial. 
and due to fiscal irresponsibility. So even with all of that said, and yes, I am, I'm bearish. I don't think that now maybe this is a sub substantive point of disagreement. <laughs> I don't think that that tarnishes or stains the ideals of liberalism or its universality. Or in the then super chats. Uh, Sorry if that was a rant. Sorry if that was a rant. I had to get I had to get it all out. No, it's fine. Uh, I, I mean, I would just say that it absolutely has to. I mean, th these are the fruits of liberalism. This is what happens from completely unmooring uh, uh, civilizations and peoples from times and traditions. I think the I think the inability of people to be you know leaders to be held accountable is is largely due to the fact that they feel no. Uh, camaraderie or kinsmanship to those that they govern i think liberalism is designed to do exactly that which is why it made a great universalization because you could run countries you had no connection to through soft power uh but you know th this is something that in immediately uh, you you have to pay the 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 bill comes due uh I yeah i want I, I want to buttress what you said if i may sure is that is that okay absolutely yeah so i want to but i want to buttress what you say if you look at the data on um yeah, uh, uh, people now who in the United States who would fight for their country, uh, that the who, oh who excuse me, it's who would die for their country. It's at an all time low. If you look at the number of Muslim immigrants to England or to the UK, excuse me, who uh, serve in uh, Her Majesty's Armed Forces, th those numbers are uh, astonishing as percentage as per percentage of the population. I had a wonderful conversation with uh, Matt Goodwin about that. If you look at, uh, I think that that conversation is up. So, so I'd like to, I th I think from what I know about it, the data supports your, the data supports those positions, and be before you go to super chats, I I really would like to kind of pick your brain about sovereignty and what that means to you and what the Hungarians are doing about sovereignty, about their national sovereignty in terms of pushing back on Brussels and. I, I think, you know, it's, it's a third rail. No one wants to talk about less so in the United States, but more so in Europe. People are simply unwilling to have the conversation. But I talked to Eric Coffin about this. Um, um, people are unwilling to have a, a conversation about Islamic immigration, Muslim immigration. Um, mm. Wait, and before the consequences of that. And but mm. that bears directly on Orange mm. point, And it also bears directly on the conversation about liberalism, because these are to say to say that that uh, certainly not everyone, but just to say that there are illiberal attitudes associated with large numbers of immigrants coming into the country would be a remarkable understatement. Before well, Ord responds, there is a super chat that asks exactly this. So I figure, why not just put the super chat in here? This is from Sherwood Tate for ten dollars. Would Peter support legal asylum immigration restrictions versus a liberal countries to protect liberalism? Re pro-Hamas, anti-Israel protests, and threat of Islam, deportations even? No, I do not support deportations. I do support, as Matt Goodwin also said, also supports a five-year moratorium on immigration from uh, in, mm -hmm. in, in the UK. I mean, we see that now in the backlash in Ireland. We, we, we see, we, we're looking at that, and the second largest party in Sweden has actually talked about destroying Destroying some of the mosques. No, I'm I'm adamantly opposed to any form of deportation, but I do think that sane immigration policies that limit 
so, so a few years ago, there's a Kurdish economist who lives in Sweden. And again, I'm talking about stuff that's like way outside my area. So uh, you have to for, forgive me if I, if I don't um, have familiarity with all the names. The, the number one factor that um, influences whether someone from an Islamic country will successfully integrate into society. Before I heard that, I would have said lack of religiosity. Excuse me, that's not true. That's not accurate. It's whether they have a skill, and it's whether that that skill uh, can, can make the money. If you look at at, at Sydney, at, at Australia, now they have their issues with Manus Island, et cetera. But if you look at, at um, Australia, that's an incredibly well-functioning society that takes a lot of excuse me, Asian immigrants who are highly skilled, highly successful physicians. The UK also takes a lot of um, uh, people from India as their physicians and physicians assistants. So, I mean, this is a very, very, very complicated problem. Um, I, and again, I'm, I'm just going to, I guess maybe I actually believe what Aaron believes now that I, the more I think about it, I think he's. <laughs> Wait, but or, Orrin, do you believe in, um, in deportation? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so the here's here's what's. Well, I guess happen. I don't then. <laughs> I, I I mean, I have to be to your right on something here. Um, so, uh, I think the nation, the civilizations that are survive are those that are, or or even the the states inside of Europe or other places that are going to survive are those that do away with the the liberal delusion that their dirt is magical and somehow uh transforms people into you know uh, good citizens as soon as they cross onto the border. The truth is that there's deep differences uh, yeah. in peoples, and 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 many are not assimilable to your to your way of life ever. Um, and and you can hope you can, you can go with kind of the well, if they're economically you know productive, then maybe capitalism will dismantle uh, their culture for me, and you know they'll deracinate them successfully, and that can work. You know, you can get the Singapore model where you just remove democracy, uh, you know, and then you just have a high skill cap, and then you you just kind of. Uh, filter everything in that way there there are solutions and ways where you can select for these things but the general idea that you can just allow anyone in your company your country and eventually institutions or economics will simply uh you know separate them from uh, their traditions and will you know kind of turn them into good citizens that that's just a civilizational death sentence many in europe have already drank that kool-aid that they or you know uh some could argue that america different parts of america have already drank that and the and the damage is already done uh, but I think the states that realize that that shutting that off, shutting that flow of other cultures in, not not buying into the lie that all people are assimilable and that they're universal traits that you can convert everyone into in your country, those are the ones that will survive. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried. I, I'm uh, I'm past the point of concern, and I'm into the point of worry. I, I lived uh, when I was in London. I lived in a nice section, uh, or I stayed when when uh, we, we did work for my nonprofit, and I saw the. So this is an upscale neighborhood. I saw the pictures of of uh, of Jews who were kidnapped by Hamas ripped down in the neighborhood. I saw um, my friends who were Jewish were concerned for their safety. Uh, I mean, it's 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 kind of an I'm not I'm not Jewish. It's an emotional thing for me. You know, I'm I am Armenian, and I do have my uh, a, a history of genocide in uh, among the Armenians, and so. I'm past the point of concern and I'm, I'm, I'm into the point of worry. I think Douglas Murray has, is, is largely correct on this. Uh, I don't, I don't know what deportations are going to do. I suppose deportations of people who 
so, so what's what's the argument for deportations? And I assume you're not like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that, that would, of course, be very contextual to different countries. So in the United States, the easiest form of this would be the people who are here illegally. Um, you know, but but oh, well, of course, okay, sure. that's a okay. Well, of course, uh, right. No, I don't. No sane person is arguing that we can have any random person coming over who's a murderer, a rapist, a oh, pedophile. Oh, lots like, of people are arguing completely that. Completely <laughs> insane. Okay. Well, sane, that's Elon, the keyword. Okay, <laughs> Elon Musk just put out a tweet about that. Like, if you're hardworking and you have no history of violence, etc., and, and you know. Yeah. My, my friend Faisal Omutar is the most American person I've ever met. He heads Ideas Beyond Borders. You know, they translate Enlightenment text into uh, Arabic, English text. The, uh, the very idea that you would let people that you didn't vet into your country, it's not insane. It's fucking insane. So you could have murderers, rapists, pedophiles, anybody just coming in. That's just I cannot fathom what the argument for that would be. It's it's. I, I, when you have economic zones instead of nations, and mm. that's what it is. Yeah, but you can still have an, and that's the argument for the increased immigration in Europe, right? The populations, it's not 2.2 being replaced, and so you need to to replace them. But a few things. One response to that is, well, why would you take them from the same region? Why don't you just go to Guatemala? I mean, why why would you? I mean, it's completely insane to me. But but bracketing that for a second, I cannot. Those economic arguments are for for. Legal immigration. There is no, as far as I know, there's no good economic argument. I suppose you could make the argument that we need someone to pick our fruits or something, and so we need to, Im, we need to just kind of, uh, you know, turn a blind eye to illegal immigration. But you, you still are faced with the same problem. You have, you're you're faced with a similar problem in the United States because most of the people will be economic migrants, but you're faced with a very different problem in terms of skill level and in terms of the ideology that comes with the people in Western Europe. I mean, I don't think you could find maybe a handful of Mexicans. I can't fathom it, but by and large, every, the Mexicans, in my opinion, are incredibly decent, hardworking people who contribute to the society. I don't know any Mexicans who want to overthrow the government, like literally none of them. None of them. They they come here for economic reasons. So we're talking about a significantly different population. There is another question, though, which has to do with culture that's passed down generation to generation. What's more concerning for me is the bystander effect when it comes to, let's say, you have certain religions out there where you have this uh, hateful preacher who starts talking about how we should be very extremist, and then you have a certain ring around that person who distributes those ideas, and then you have another wider ring that doesn't distribute those ideas, but is very placid. If they would throw somebody that they disagree with off a roof top for instance a lot of those people sure. would just stay put and not do anything because like okay this is like more of the same what they may have been used to or their ancestors may have been used to and that was kind of passed on and that's the real issue for me it's not like oh this person is harmless it's the question of do people have certain antennas that uh, pick up certain signals and then go with those signals? That's Look, kind of how the issue illiberal here. of you. How how desperately illiberal of you that they're not at all, not at all. Because I'm judging, I'm uh, judging by culture, not yeah. by race. By culture, not by race. But Oren, go on. I, I think that the that uh, the immigration issue is an existential crisis for for most of these nations. I think Peter's right to be to be very worried about it. Um, I think that liberalism, you know, James, James Burnham said that liberalism is the ideology of Western suicide because it hollows out any reason 
to, to prefer a particular way of life, a particular being, a particular culture, uh, it, it, because of its d desire to universalize. And there's really no reason why you, if, if universalism is true, there's no reason why it should not be applied to any particular, you know, it should be able to be applied to any people's. You, you can't be particular yeah. against it. So that's, that's Popper's 1945 paradox of tolerances, tolerance, which is one of the, where he talks about parent, paradox of tolerance, which is one of the most important, where he makes that argument, the, how tolerant should we be of the intolerant, et cetera. I, I don't want to, fall down this rabbit hole necessarily, but I've found in my thinking, I'm 57 in the last, I don't know, 10 years in particular, it's been difficult for me to do, but I've really tried to move away from large scale ideological paradigms and thinking in those terms, thinking with a kind of lens. So if I'm a capitalist, I put on the, le the lens of capitalism and then I interpret issues through that or if I'm a, less, less so if I'm a Christian, although probably more so Christian, Muslim, et cetera, through, through a moral lens and just look at the evidence. Like if you just, I, I realize that this is overly ambitious because we're all humans and we have feelings and politicians have constituencies they have to appease etc so i'm i'm aware of that but if you just look at the evidence i would argue to you restricting immigration from certain countries is not a left wing or a right wing or a conservative value or a liberal value some of it has to do with sovereignty some of that has to do with safety um, I'm I'm concerned, for example, about the safety of Jews in Western Europe, in particular, in London. I'm concerned with universal chances from a, from the river to the sea. Palestine should be free, and that's not a question about the criticism of the Israeli government or the Gazans or the Palestinians. I, I as my friend Gad said uh, said that I'm 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 uh, fond of saying. And I talked to Toby Young about this in my conversation. If, if tomorrow the country of Vietnam became over, overwhelmed by genocidal Jew haters, like everybody, like you wave a wand and just magically tomorrow, everybody in Vietnam wakes up and they want to just murder Jews. Would it be rational for country X, I don't know, UK, United States, Canada, what have you, to limit immigration from Vietnam? Yeah, it would be. It would be. And so um, I think I think it, it is incredibly helpful in these conversations to get beyond thinking about this in terms of liberalism or conservatism or even a kind of national sovereignty or cultural so sovereignty or even, you know, even beyond that, a kind of linguistic hegemony or, 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 or uh, you know, a, a linguistic presentation. There are well-documented instances of parallel court systems and legal systems being set up in Canada and in the UK and independent of what one thinks about a, 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 a tribal allegiance politically, this is a suicide for the country. You simply cannot set up a parallel legal architecture and attempt to adjudicate a dispute based upon some pre-medieval. It's completely insane. And so I leave that to you. I leave that to you. If I, I don't see how that would make me a conservative. I, I've been accused of that being a conservative position, but 
why why would you want to import a bunch of people who want to kill other people into your country or, or at least in terms of the high likelihood of, of them wanting to mm. that and does that makes no sense to me at all and before or in response how are we doing time-wise in terms of super chat we got a couple of super chats here so i want to make sure there's time for that i i, I gotta go pr pretty soon uh, i am i am enjoying the conversation i'm i'm surprised that i agree with Orin so much on everything <laughs> so maybe if we have a chat again we'll have yeah to we gotta do mk2 substantive disagreement but i really don't see like i i'm being very sincere when i say that like i i just think there's a problem with thinking about these things in terms of liberal conservative like you have to have some base and a core base should be that the citizens in your country should feel safe or at least not feel threatened when we other people come into your country. And that just does not seem to be unreasonable to me. Mm -hmm. Well, just so we make sure that it's uh, not uh, not seem not seem to be unreasonable, or and what would you say would be your ideal kind of dictator when it comes to, or any kind of leader when it comes to the kind of things that they would enact, some of which may be rubbing somebody like Peter the wrong way, just so we see where there is some kind of disagreement. Otherwise, I'm going to say, Peter, you are officially NRX, and uh, uh, Moldbug's going to welcome you to the club. You're going to hang out with Curtis in San Francisco. You're going to have a lot of fun. But anyway, or yeah, let me know, like, what is your ideal model here uh, uh i'm sorry you have to be a little you said like policies yeah like policy policies wise if you have some uh, let's say trump becomes sure. you know the dictator god emperor and he starts enacting certain policies we've already talked about deportation and i know that's mm -hmm. something that you guys do kind of disagree on if we're talking about deportation in a certain way what else would you say could possibly be very, very anti-liberal, but something that, in your opinion, needs to be done for the greater good. Sure, you need an immigration moratorium. You can't have a shared moral vision until you have a, a solidified people. What we're lacking is in a transcendent politics. What we're lacking is any kind of national identity. The, the, the nation cannot defend itself against ideological or any other type of uh, kind of takeover erosion unless it has some kind of shared identity. So you need to stabilize the population of the nation first. Uh, from there, I, I think you need to strip down most of the administrative state. Uh, we, we need to dismantle large chunks of the federal bureaucracy and purge it uh, of kind of ideological true believers. That's a much more complicated problem because you have to figure out how to shift burdens of large-scale, you know, imperial politics down to more local levels. We need a more subsidiary politics that allows communities uh, to actually understand the, their needs rather than trying to universalize them across uh, a nation that is 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 very different. Uh, it, it is the size of most, is larger than most historical empires, um, and, and it could probably not have one homogenized uh, culture uh, and set of expectations uh, kind of in perpetuity. Um, but, but yeah, those, those would just be a couple of things, well, I guess. One, one last thing before super chats, would that also include a changing of civil rights law, uh, per that, uh, book that was written, the yeah. age of entitlement, like, Absolutely. What, like what would you get rid of in civil rights law the way that it is right now? Sure. So, so Crystal Caldwell, as, as you pointed out in age of entitlement, makes an excellent case that we, we basically have, uh, have a super, a constitution that has overridden most of, of our written constitution. Uh, that assembled itself out of civil rights law. I think the fact that the federal government has the ability to enter the minds and hearts and businesses of every American in the name of civil rights is have has a disastrous effect. I mean, this is the re you're, you're going to have 
you know parents separated from their children over this uh that that's already happening uh on on the right you know when it comes to gender identity and things it's very clear that this is run amok and this has created a society which is all about gibbs and who who can control the different various apparatuses inside the the civil rights law that then incentivizes institutions to wrap themselves around this i think you have to get rid of things like disparate impact uh griggs versus duke power is an absolute disaster and the subsequent decisions attached to it it make it's what makes the university monopoly on things like employment correct because you can't use iq tests or any other kind of tests in order to to correct. to certify your your employees and therefore the 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 uh left has a four to eight year monopoly on the minds of your children and hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt from them just so they can get a job uh, that their grandparents got. Uh, So yeah, those aspects have to go. Can I comment on that quickly? Yes. So just, just quickly, I I throw the idea out to you uh, and this it's been, it has a pedigree in the literature. I've seen it before. Vivek Ramaswamy is picking it up to term limits for bureaucrats. Just throw it out there. Think about, maybe we could talk about our next, time and and next conversation and i want to i want to just recenter the conversation for a second and i would ask your listeners to just think honestly for a moment just open yourself up forget about allegiances to parties or identities or tribes and just think for a moment we do not have a secure border along the, our southern border is not secure. Many borders in Europe are not secure. We're seeing that now in Italy. Does it make, and I'm, I'm not saying this to you guys, I'm just, just saying this as a general question. Does it make sense that anybody who wants to can come into the country? Does it make sense that a country has to cede their right to vet people who enter their country. Okay. So the f- that we cannot agree about this, that we have wide scale contention about this one point that to me, if there was ever anything that was self-evident, this would be it. Like this is it. The fact that we cannot come to an agreement that we should let people enter the country who are not vetted and we don't know their criminal past. It is deeply disturbing to me, and it shows how divided we are as a country. The way to solve that problem would be to have a a national conversation about it. You know, this guy who was recently sodomized in a judicial room, um, I, I personally, I personally couldn't care less if the guy sodomized where he sodomized. I just, as long as he's over eighteen, he's consenting, and it's not during a trial. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm largely fine with it. it. People are saying this is, you know, the moral decay of the United States, et cetera. What the moral decay of the United States is is the inability to have open and honest conversations about things. I, I wish we would have d- disagreed more, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I was going to say, we, could, we definitely could disagree on this for another hour. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm, we'll, I, we'll yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you about what I disagree with, but I could steal man things. But, but I think that it shows that there is that, that the infrastructure. So this would be an argument against my argument against liberalism. It will show that there is something, the fact that we are incapable of having these conversations almost by definition means that liberalism cannot sustain itself. Yes. Because 
right? Yes. Your, the original right. position you're appealing to does not exist. There, the, the Peter Bogosian, Ralsian, like we could all just get you know drop mm. all this stuff and, and figure out uh, immigration. It's not real. That that that's mm. and and actually societal uh, uh, discussing things this way, having a national conversation, is not how any people's actually ever determines its political outcomes, um, or at least not directly. Mm. I should say it, it does eventually, yeah. but in, in a more mimetic way. One last uh, quick you know, question. One last quick question yeah. before the super chats. Do you see a difference between civilization or being civilized and being liberal? Yes. Very much so. The, what, the, every... what is the difference, you'd say, real quick? And if not, we can uh, talk more about it the second time. But real quick, how would you define it, if you can define it real quick? Yeah, well, uh, so, uh, again, sorry, that, that's that's not a real quick answer. There's just no real quick answer to that question. Civilization is uh, is a term used for many different things. Uh, you know, the, if you just mean urbanization and literacy, um, is that the same thing as liberalism? Well, you could argue those things are going to lead to liberalism. Uh, but... Uh, but if if you simply mean a people who are able to cohere and and uh, mm-hmm. interact in a productive way without having to constantly come to conflict, no, I don't think that is that is inherently a liberal question. In the in my way, I just see it uh, simply as people who don't beat their kids up. That's how I would personally define being civilized. You know what I mean? Okay. Like not having this. It, yes, Peter. Yeah, I just can I just I know we want to do super chats yes. and I'm limited on time. I just have I have a question for both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two questions, if I may. Are you happy with the Trump-Biden runoff? And two, have you ever met a single person, just one, who's like, oh, this is fantastic. These are exactly the people we want to have represent us. Like, So what is – do you find that disturbing or distressing or what what are your thoughts on that? I think they're terrible, but it's it's the natural course of history. I I mean, I I think that – I don't think we have the level of control. I don't think the voice of the people actually determines these things the way that people uh, assume they do. And so I'm not surprised that the the things that the people would want would not influence this it is not a surprise to me. And I'm just uh, looking at all the pos- possible uh, secret technology that's out there and thinking, you know what, it d- doesn't really make sense how quickly we went from like the Wright Brothers plane to having, you know, jet aircraft. <laughs> and now there's all these sightings allegedly of these little little uh, balls that are uh, disappearing and reappearing again. And when I take a look at that, I think, man, the amount of things that the military must have hidden away extremely compartmentalized all this time that at least gives me hope that there is more to this story than just what we were talking about before you know like there are going to be certain things technologies that we're not aware of right now that are really going to change the game well for better or for worse i don't know i'm just saying i'm just throw throwing that card out there and now it's time to go to super chats everybody so we have a new way forward good friend of the show 1999 oren if the acid of liberalism dissolves culture, fractionating the monoculture and creating regional cultures, do you see necessarily that regional governance will emerge over national governance? Do we have a model? Oh, sorry, you misunderstood the flow there. So liberalism breaks down regional cultures. It's the acid that breaks down differences between peoples and seeks to homogenize and universalize. That, that's its whole, its whole point. And uh, but but I think that I think that it is now broken through enough load bearing pillars where, yes, you will you will see the overarching constructions of liberalism collapse because it no longer can rest on the remaining civilizational you know social fabric that that had existed mm. in previous traditions. 
And yeah, it itself those are legacy. Yeah, right. Mm. Well, kind of why right. I br- why I originally brought up civilization versus liber- uh, liberalism is because uh, unlike what you were saying right now, we still had certain let's say uh, ethos that were uh, uh, that were yearned for by immigrants who came in here in the early twentieth century. You know, the ideal of like being like a well-read person, wearing like a top hat and whatnot. Like there were certain fashion styles, there were certain things that people, you know, even in like the seventeen hundred and 1800s there were certain standards of what it means to be a gentleman of what it means to be a lady those are more the things that i'm talking about when it comes to how do you become civilized how do you become somebody who is able to see outside of yourself how to be more let's say self uh self-conscious to a certain degree and that's going to stop you from acting like a beast and high, that's high, what i want high culture requires traditions you, you need a you, you need a particular idea a particular way of being a particular ideal a particular shared moral vision to build a high culture. If you dissolve all of the differences and you attempt to kind of slurry it all into one thing that could be widely managed, what you're going to get is the lowest common denominator. That That's always mm. how that works. Well, you, you wouldn't say that the gentleman and lady culture that I was talking about in like the 1800s, that that was like uh, the mono culture of the day and people were yearning to emulate that culture all over Europe. That wasn't like some, you know, isolated, traditional thing that people were doing. So curious what you would say to that. And then uh, Peter's response, then last super chat. I, I think you'd have to be a little more specific as to what particular tradition you're talking about there. Like, people with monocles like i don't i don't know what you're appealing to top hats like what 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 exactly i know this is more i know this is more superficial but i'm just bringing up the fashion as an example here more of the idea of someone that studies philosophy somebody who is well read and not just uh following whatever you know guttural you know coom brain stream happens to be on tiktok that that's what i mean like it's a certain standard that regardless of whether you look at spain or france or italy people were aiming for that Yes, but that so those things are all products of specific traditions that people were aspiring towards. They they are things that are, you cannot have an aristocratic tradition and therefore an aspiration towards the aristocracy moving towards their way of being unless you have differences, unless you have differentiation. Uh, and, and so if if you don't have those things, if you if you if the culture cannot build upon those things because you're too busy tearing those things apart and homogenizing them and attempting to universalize them. You cannot build high culture. They are not compatible. Peter responds to then the final two super chats, but they'll be real quick. I was just only thinking about that in terms of very, very recent events and in terms of the number of people recently who have uh, non-belief was, was, has been down up until very, very recently. I don't know if you read the piece from Unheard where Ayan Hersieli has declared herself a Christian. Did you see that piece? It was a really interesting piece. Um, I, 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 uh, I largely agree. I think it's going to be interesting to see if people don't revert back to those old social norms and traditions, particularly in Christianity. Uh, and again, I, I do agree. I think it's going to be largely cultural, but we'll see. I mean, we're not talking about a long timeline here. We're just talking about a few years. But that would be my guess. There'll be a, a continued upsurge surge in Christianity. We'll see. 
All right, last super chat from Donnie DeWitt, 1999. Again, like you guys see on the screen, the Q&A super chats, that is $10 plus, but I appreciate all the other super chats here. Uh, Donnie DeWitt, 1999, what is the liberal answer to the fertility collapse slash IQ shredder problem? Liberal societies can prioritize or privilege high IQ family havers over everyone else, while a non-liberal society can and overrun the lib state. Okay, so do you mind if I take that, Aaron? No, go for it. Yeah, so I, I, maybe this is a point that we would disagree on. We have another conversation. We can talk about it. I don't see that there's a fertility crisis. I, I, I think that that has been largely overhyped. I'd love to see the reasons for what I thought you were laughing at me. I'm like, no. oh, this is going to be a good conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think that the reasons for that, uh, I, I would love to explore the reasons for why people think that, you know, the Flynn effect that there's a rising IQ, IQs have been rising. Many people have hypothesized why, but the kind of, there's no consensus on this. There's certainly no, uh, there's just broad agreement that that's smaller families tend to be more attention. And then you can, in those formative years, you can have more of an influence on IQ. I don't, I don't think that, um, I, I, I don't think that those things are an issue. So I don't buy into the idea that there's a fertility problem. I don't buy into the idea that, you know, I know I understand that many people in Elon Musk's space are saying that there's a fertility problem. I'd love to see that the evidence for that. And I guess it comes down to how many people does one think that would be which is the ideal population of the earth. I'm also not buying, as far as I know, the main argument for that is, well, more people, we can replace, you know, help older people, we can replace service industries and, you know, more possibilities for genius and technologies and creativity. I don't see that as being the case with AI. I just read the other day, Paul Graham retreated it, or react posted it, whatever they say now, whatever the kids say. Uh, uh, a, 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 an AI has solved an age-old math problem. So something that people haven't been able to do for, uh, you know, I don't even know how long. AI has also solved Go. So I just don't, I'm not buying that argument that if, you know, we need more people because that increases the likelihood of genius, et cetera. Also, if you read Freakonomics, the original book a long time ago, they talk about the, um, well, they write about the abortions and the number of abortions correlated with a decrease in crime uh, since the, the the legalization of abortion with Roe Ro v. Wade. And so I, I'm just not buying into this idea that kids for kids' sake are good and we need to kind of, uh, we need to keep going on the fertility train ride. Anyway, those are just some thoughts. Peter Bogosian, that, actually a Nick Land that. accelerationist. He's, AI will, will, will bail <laughs> us out of meat space problems. I, I, I did yeah, not expect I, I, turn. Yeah, I, I I think I think that that's that's largely correct. I think that that's largely correct. That's a conversation for another day. You know, Nick Bostrom uh, uh, said something. I think it was in conversation with Flo Reed from Unheard that just blew my mind. It was like, and he said, "Imagine an A, if I'm if I may live. I don't want to take too much of no, the no, no, please. We, I want to make sure you're good. But yeah, go for it. No, I'm good. I'm just." Just chilling, uh, just having a conversation. So he said something that, that just completely blew my mind. Imagine the most sophisticated AI you can imagine. Like just, you know, it's probably, I mean, just I'm just riffing it out loud. You know, it's it's uh, 
personified. It solves mathematical problems that no one's going to solve. Gold box conjecture, go chess. It solves, you know, resource problems. It can, you know, increase its own programming. It can, it can uh, you know, with super genius, it's, et cetera, et cetera. So once you get that conception, it's kind of a version of Anselm's argument for the existence of God. Once you get that conception of the most sophisticated AI you can imagine, that's day one. Day two is that the entity you just imagined imagined the most sophisticated AI it can imagine. And that totally blew my mind. And the, the thing that blew my mind on it is when you look at Sam Altman and when you look at these guys who work in this space, and again, I'm, not, I'm speaking way out of my area, there is, to my understanding, a consensus that this is not, you know, a hundred year time horizon, a 50 year time horizon, a 25 year. We're talking about five to 10 years. You know, Ray Kurzweil predicted that a, a while ago, 2035, 2034. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think that the world is going to be very, very different in a very short period of time. And, and I think that things that seem like ineluctable consequences of, either public policy decisions or foreign policy. I think these things are going to largely be outsourced to um, AGI. I could be totally, totally wrong about that. I'm just spitballing here. But but the good thing about that is we don't have to wait too long. I'm not telling you what's going to happen in 200 years. Um, we can revisit this conversation in a very short period of time. Peter, we got to talk about the collapsing decision space and its impact on liberalism then, because I think that's a, that's got some fascinating. Yeah, that'd be a great one. Yeah, that, that'd be a great, that's a great conversation. Yeah. All right. Well, guys, this has been a fantastic talk. I really appreciate the two of you being here. And the fact that the, both of you agreed, this is kind of why I also didn't really frame this as a debate, more of a conversation, because I knew that there were going to be a lot of these things that uh, despite coming from different backgrounds, you guys are going to agree on. Later on, I would definitely love to talk about the nature of what it would mean to have like a dictator and all of that and like the pra practical applications of what we're going to be in store for. But I know that both of you guys, regardless of whatever potential differences you have, you both want the best for people working with the horrible choices that all of us have in front of us. And that is why I really enjoy talking to you now, Peter, for the very first time. And for, what was it, like the 4th, 5th, 10th? I don't know like how often we've talked, Oren, but... Uh, I think it's like 3 or 4, yeah. It's, it's three, been a yeah. few now for sure. Yeah, yeah, but it's definitely always a joy to have you on here again, even if we may disagree about certain geopolitical things. I think, like somebody said on the chat there, you are a good egg. And I definitely appreciate you coming on BTR. So plugs. Uh, let's start with uh, Peter. Peter Bogosian. What do you have in store for all the good people, and where can all the good people find you? Uh, on X at Peter Bogosian, um, B O G H O S S I N. YouTube, Peter Bogosian. I don't even know what I'm on to socials. Uh, I'm working on another book very slowly. I'm going around the world. I'll, as I said, I'll be in Taiwan, Japan, going back to London, which is a hub of things. Uh, probably be in Sydney, New Zealand, to the Spectrum Street Epistemology. Uh, um, just been been writing. I'm on Substack. I'm pretty pretty much just doing my thing, and I enjoy conversations like like this. Um, I think next time, Aaron, if you want to do this again, we'll write out things we disagree with ahead of time, sure. and then we can have a a, a conversation about that. Uh, one thing, if we do that, I'd like to have a conversation about whether kind of this idea of the end of liberalism and whether or not the idea that we should let in large numbers of people who are overtly hostile to the state is a natural consequence of liberalism or it's just a bunch of 
kind of elite policymakers out of touch or what, what, whatever it is. I like to have that conversation. So yeah, I'd like to thank both of you. It was the first time I've spoken to both of you. I, I enjoyed our, our conversation. Absolutely, man. The first of many to come. And uh, Oren McIntyre, where could people find the Oren McIntyre show? And what else are you working on right now? Uh, sure, yeah. Oren McIntyre shows on YouTube. It's on the podcast. Uh, all of my columns and stuff appear over at The Blaze. I'm on Blaze TV with the program. Uh, and then uh, I do. I also have a book uh, um, over at Regnery. Uh, the Total State uh, should should be hopefully available for pre-order here soon. Just got all the trans or the manuscript and everything uh, turned in and edited and everything. So hopefully that's going to print soon. So. Mm. And by the way, I do feel bad for the people who sent in the 499s. They didn't see the Q and A super chats thing. I'm just gonna say them right now. You guys don't have to answer. But WBS Apparel 499 Theater Kid Occupied Government. How do we end it? That's going to be for next time. And Pronomian 499, Peter, at what point do liberal values have a right to supersede the collective will of a people? If you want, that's it's a freebie. Oh, well, we end it by ending the university stronghold. That's an easy one. Uh, and there are ways to do that. Uh, but we have to understand where the madness is coming from. And it, it, when you say end it, I assume you're, you're talking about... Uh, the, the the recent insanity that we've all faced. I, I also want to say one of the reasons that I find myself in agreement with Oren now, whereas maybe 10 years ago I wouldn't, is because I've seen what we're exporting around the world that I'm ashamed of it. Uh, I, I don't like the identity politics. I don't like the, you know, buddy of mine was telling me that, you know, we could go on to this about land acknowledgements in other countries. I've, I've just, I've the trans thing with transing uh, kids is now there. Uh, so we, I, I do think that the way to end it is to look at, my dad was a civil engineer and, you know, he, he was telling me that the, the best way to take pollution out of a stream is to stop polluting it. We know the source of the pollution. We know it's the university system. There's just simply, it's just, we know this. And so, you know, whatever you want to do, taxing the endowments, uh, however you want to think about it. uh, The one thing you can do is you can just stop donating and tell your kids not to go to college. I told my daughter to be an electrician. Um, So, so I think it's important and colleges of education are key in that as is the, there's an accreditation cartel that accredits these universities, institutions. Um, so that's it. I have to go guys. Uh, Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Peter and guys be sure to check. Great pleasure indeed. Be sure to check out Break the Rules at BreakTheRules.tv if you guys are watching on Twitch. And by the way, this is being streamed right now on Twitch on uh, Kick. That's a new platform, never streamed before, and streaming it now. And also go to Discord, the Break the Rules Discord. I'm putting it in the chat. It's also in the description. And please follow my Substack, levpo.substack.com or levslens.com. I wrote a new one recently called Malay versus Trump, which way McGregor opposing leftist globalism and an expanding Russia-China power is not is not mutually exclusive. So be sure to check that out, and I'm going to do a video about that as well. So take care, everybody. Oren, it's a great pleasure as always to have you here, buddy. I look forward to the next one. And Dave, distribute us if you're watching this. Check the DM. Check the DM. Check the DM right now, okay? Enough of this. All right, guys, thank you so much for watching. Follow me on 
X, Left Poe, you get the idea. And Patreon.com slash Break the Rules. What is wrong with me? Go there right now. Become a patron. Do it right now. Click that button. And also click like and subscribe. Subscribe. Click the subscribe button. Knock the hell out of that subscribe button. Do it 